Once upon a time, there was two countries that were at war, and each of these countries was led by by a king. Uh, and the you know they were sort of like just constantly in at, in battle, hating each other. Um, and then one of the kings, one of the countries, managed to overthrow the other country, so they march on in, and that king is now the king of the other country, right? So now he's king of two countries. And everybody in the, in the conquered country, they are now under the rule and the reign of that king. They are now living in, in his kingdom. And in that, in that country, there was three kinds of people. There were the ones that, that welcomed the king, and they said... You're our king now. We we willingly come underneath your your rulership, your your what you say, your your laws. Um, it's all good. We welcome you, king. Then there was another group, and they um, they were like the rebellion, and they they thought, no, stuff it. We didn't want him to be king. At all, and so we're not going to come under his kingship, and we're going to we're going to do what we can to to fight against it. You know, kind of like uh, um, guerrilla warfare and um, the rebellion, the um, the rebel alliance in Star Wars. That's the best example I've got. And then there was the third kind, and they just didn't really care. They just sort of went on with um, everyday life and not really, didn't really think too much about who who was the king. I mean, this happens all. This happens all the time. This is not like once upon a time. This is like the history of of uh, of civilization on Earth, isn't it? Like even at the moment, there's countries against countries, like trying to trying to gain a bit of extra ground or trying to gain, um, you know, the resources or or the population that another country has. And this is also the story of of us. Uh, as as citizens of earth and it's the story of of the king of god of jesus coming uh with his kingdom and then the choices that that we get to make when the king arrives do we do we say yes lord yes jesus we welcome you as king and we're going to come under your under your rule and reign we're going to um uh, listen to what you say, and we're going to not break your laws. We're not going to break the speed limit. We're going to pay our taxes and so on. Uh, we've also got the choice to go, okay, well, Jesus is our king, but actually I don't like him, and so I'm not going to follow his, uh, what he says and does. Um, in fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to fight against it. I'm going to, uh, do, I'm going to do what I can to uh, get him out of our country so that we can have our old our old king back, and the, the old king in, in this analogy is actually uh, is actually the enemy, is death, and uh, and also um, and also Satan. And then there's the third then there's the third group of people who just just don't even think about it. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, we, we just kind of go on living living life as 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 we want to. Really, those those second two groups are pretty pretty similar. They're not coming under the rule and the reign of the king. This morning, I'm kind of talking, um, following on from this, uh, following, following on from a series that we've been doing, like looking at the teachings of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter six, um, and the, and the focus of this chapter is, is really around seeking first uh, the kingdom, seeking first God's kingdom and and His righteousness, and uh, as I talked about last week. A lot of this is to do with actually what happens, 
what happens within within us, within our own hearts, uh, within our own minds, within our, within our own lives. And so last week I talked about how Jesus said constantly said, "If you're going, when you when you pray, pray in secret, or when you when you give to the needy." Do it in secret. Like you're not doing it to impress other people. If you're doing it to impress anybody, you want to impress God Himself. It's the secret. It's sort of like the secret place that counts the most, and and that's because God is God is being God knows what's going on underneath, and He knows that that we are prone to uh, want to impress other people rather than Him Him, and so He's going come come away to the secret place where you can't impress anybody else. And so last week we uh, looked at, uh, read through the, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is where uh, Jesus taught his disciples and this big crowd of people um, this, this model of prayer because 2,000 years ago, prayer was a bit of a mysterious concept just as it is today. And it's how I get the impression that 2,000 years ago people would come and they'd speak loudly and they'd try to use lots of, lots of words and try to... Um, I guess uh, make God do something and also try to impress others with their prayers. And then Jesus says, "No, don't do that. Come away to come away to the secret place. Close the close the door of your wardrobe. Get in there and and pray where you can't impress anybody. But but it's just you, you and God, you and the King. And he and he gives this model and it and it goes, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? It's the invitation of the king and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So for, so for many of us, uh, especially people who have been Christians for years and years, these, are, these, these become really familiar words. They sort of just roll, they can roll off the tongue. And I might have told the story again, but um, I'm in my mid-40s now, so it's okay to tell stories more than once. And um, that's my excuse. And anyway, I went, to, I went to a secondary school, and every week at assembly, we would read the Lord's Prayer. We would say the Lord's Prayer out loud in school every week. And uh, 1,200 boys... Um, in, in third form, um, you know, their voices are beginning to drop, and so that would would say the Lord's Prayer, and it would be a bit of a, you know, everyone would be trying to say it as deep as they could. Our Father, our Father, Oops, sorry, I was just uh, revisiting being thirteen, and uh, and it's sort of ironic, isn't it? Twelve hundred boys. I mean, Jesus says, "Come away to the secret place, pray, pray in the secret place." And here we are doing, saying the Lord's prayer in assembly, all trying to impress each other with how how low we could go. <laughs> oh, the the memories are bringing back a whole lot of whole lot of un, unhealed pain. <laughs> I need prayer. <laughs> Actually, my voice didn't drop. I was born this way. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's so it's, it's ironic that we had to we, we prayed it all, and I don't think there's anything wrong in praying the Lord's prayer prayer together, but but the context of Jesus' teaching is like that you know that 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 connection with God and that, and coming to the secret place and and you know being on that sort of that one to one type thing, and like this 
I think it's hilarious that we try to impress each other with um, with how deep we could pray the Lord's prayer uh, when when He's really saying, "Don't try to impress anybody because prayer is for God alone." So last last week when I talked about it, I I, I mentioned how uh, this this bit of Jesus' teaching comes from the Sermon on the Mount, where loads of people had been. Uh, had been drawn to Jesus, what he was doing. He'd been healing people. He'd been going to weddings and, and turning water into wine. Uh, and, he'd been, and he'd been teaching, and they were drawn to him. And I'm sure that they were drawn to his personality as well, that he was a, he was a person, he is a person that's full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, full of purpose, full of contentment and fulfillment and all these kinds of things. The perfect person. Um, and in this teaching to this crowd of people, which was on the side of the hill, um, he, he gave his teaching on, on how to live. And I said that when the Son of God, when the King of Kings, the one who spoke the universe into existence, uh, speaks, then it's actually worth pay, paying attention, because he knows a thing or two. And in chapter 6, this chapter we've been looking at, Jesus says the, that... The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And I think this is an old song that they used to play on Radio Rima, but I can't remember who it was by. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Uh, because all of our motivations and actions come from in, it, from in our hearts. Tim Keller, New York, uh, New York Reverend, says, What the heart trusts, the mind justifies, the emotions desire, and the will carries out. Everything follows the heart. What the heart trusts, the mind justifies. The emotions desire, and the will carries out. Everything follows the heart. So Jesus highlights this, and he goes, what, what matters most is, is your heart. Saying essentially that our, 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 our outward actions only count for something if they match up with our inner life. Because that's the, and that's the place that God, God sees. There's this repeated phrase in, in this chapter, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Only God can see into, into our secret place. And in this, in this prayer, uh, Jesus says, don't, you don't need to use complicated words. You don't even need to use many words. In fact, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, in the translation I just read, there's only 52. And it begins with our Father. And this is kind of what we did at the beginning of the service this morning. Our Father. And it's like coming, just bringing to mind, consciously going, Father, you're with me. Uh, you can hear me. You can hear me in the secret place. You know what's going on deep in my heart. Uh, our Father, you are, you are my, you know, an ideal father loves their children. God is our ideal father, our perfect father. He loves us. He created us. He's the father that created us. He cares for us. He's a father that cares for his children. He's the father that invites us to be his sons and his daughters through God the Son, through Jesus. Our Father in heaven. Heaven is God's space. Like often we sort of imagine heaven, and uh, when we look to heaven, we kind of often look up and we go, oh, heaven's somewhere up there above those clouds. But heaven, heaven is, is, is not a physical domain like that. Heaven is beyond space and time. Uh, it's the place where, where God dwells, where Jesus dwells. It says, 
Jesus dwells there in unapproachable light, and in heaven everything as it as as it should be. He rules. God rules from heaven, and so, and so, it's hard to it's hard to well, it's a mystery. It's impossible to wrap our minds around it. But is heaven up there somewhere? Is heaven in the you know the the far reaches of the sky? Um, and the answer is um, no, but but yes, it's there. And it, but it's also here. It's all it's all around us. It's a mystery. When I think of heaven, I think of it being um, being imminent, being being close, being near, and also think about it being transcendent, like beyond uh, beyond comprehension, beyond or above the range of normal or or beyond or above the range of normal or or physical human experience. Transcendent. And so, even though we pray in the secret place. In our, in our bedroom or in the shower or wherever it is, our Father in heaven, in the sort of transcendent heaven and the near heaven, he hears us and he knows our deepest thoughts, knows what's going on in our hearts. And then we say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Like this, this um, uh, idea, hallowed, mean you know, to, make, to make something holy or to set something apart, uh, to, to be revered, to be honored. Hallowed is the opposite of taking the Lord's name in vain. All right? Hallowed is the opposite of that. Hallowed is going, the name of God is, is, so, is so important and so valuable that I'm, I'm not going to use it as a, as a swear word, right? It's the opposite of that. So we say, our Father in heaven, you're near you are with me, you love me, you're imminent, you're transcendent. Yeah, your name is amazing, your name is holy. And then we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I had that, just I told that story at the start about the king and his kingdom. And this is where we pray, God's kingdom. God's kingdom is where, where and when his rule and reign are in effect. It's where and when he is, he is king of kings. And we and we know about it, where things are in alignment with his way and his will. You know, where what he says is done. Um, heaven is God's space. Heaven is where everything happens in accordance with God's will and order. There's no stealing in heaven. There's no murder in heaven. There's no lying in heaven. There's no abuse in heaven. There's no sickness or death in heaven. And so we pray, Lord... That goodness that we can only imagine in heaven, let that, let that be done on earth. Let that be done. And heaven is filled with God's glory. God's glory is so hard to, to fathom, but I sort of imagine a space that's filled with, filled with all of these good things of God, like fullness of life, life in its fullness, like absolute freedom, joy, peace, love. That's, that's heaven. And so when we pray, Lord, let your, let your kingdom come, we're going, oh, let it be like that. Let it be beyond our wildest imagination uh, now, here on, here on earth. But often I think when we, when we come to pray these words, we are thinking about out, out there somewhere. Or we might, pray, we might pray it in church and we're thinking about you know, church as being a space or other people in church. Um, out there somewhere in a, in a person's life, we might pray, your kingdom come in Wellington City. That's a great prayer. If you're ever lost for things to pray, 
like walking into town or catching the bus into town or whatever you're doing, go, Lord, your kingdom come. When you go to work, pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Praying for parliament, your kingdom come. Praying for our nation, Lord, your kingdom come. But often it's external to ourselves. We pray, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your kingdom come. But it's often external for it from ourselves. And I think less often we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, right here on earth as, as it is in heaven. Right here in my heart, in my mind, in my life. And I, and I think it's really important to keep remembering that Jesus says in this prayer, like the context, eh? like getting away to that secret place where it's only between you and God. Like he keeps directing, directing our attention to our hearts because we can't make a difference in someone else's heart. We can only make a difference in, in ours. Jesus keeps directing our attention to our hearts so that, so that what we do so what we do in our lives, our outward actions are fully integrated with what's going on internally. You know, earlier on, uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know, we talked about you know, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who put on an act. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. We don't want to be like putting on an act. We want what is happening outwardly to be a reflection, to be, ah, reflection is the wrong word, to be an overflow actually of what is happening internally. To not be hypocrites, to not be dub- double-minded. I, th- I think that often we're, we're really ready to acknowledge that Jesus is, uh, Jesus is king. I think that often, um, often people, I guess I'm, I'm speaking um, about, about Christians, we're often ready to say that Jesus is the king, the king of kings. But I think often we're less inclined to allow and invite God to rule as king with his uh, his way of doing things, his way of life, in in our own hearts, in our own lives, and so often uh, when when people come to come to faith in Jesus, we'll, we'll pray these words uh, that will that um, Jesus will be our, our Lord and our Savior, and I think we're quite quick to go salvation less, and this is probably the journey of life of the of the Lord actually becoming the Lord of our lives. Jesus knows this. So if you've got your Bibles here or you read the Bible on your phone, then jump to Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 19 to 24. Matthew six nineteen. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That Jesus like just narrowing in on what we give our, our affection to, 
what we give our affection to and our, and our attention to. And he's just drawing this massive contrast between heaven and earth. You know, heaven, as I talked about, where God is, with Jesus at his side, it's heaven is eternal, immortal, indestructible. Earth is where, where we are, where ah, it's, it's all good, there's good stuff, but it all falls to bits. All of our stuff, our houses, our cars, our clothes, our computers, our, our possessions, it all wears out. All these temporary things, they, they fall to bits. They might get stolen, and, but we give so much attention and so much of our like, mental devotion to these things, which they're, they're temporary. We give way too much attention to that stuff, and Jesus just calls it out. He says, you treasure all these things that fall to bits. A smart bloke wouldn't do that. A smart bloke would treasure what lasts forever. And, and remember that quote that I said from Tim Keller, what the heart trusts, the mind justifies, the emotions desire and the will carries out. Everything follows the heart. And so the main thing that I want, I want us to think about this morning is like, what, what are you filling your mind with? What am I filling my mind with? What, what is your attention on? What is your attention drawn to? What do you treasure? What do you value? What is of highest importance and value in your life? And one way to know, one way to know is what do you spend your time looking at? What physically looking at? Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, through our eyes, everything is, is illuminated or not. The eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, Psalm one, Psalm hundred and one, verse three says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I will not set my eye I'll not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And then Jesus says, You cannot serve you cannot serve two masters. And I think in this like he's talking specifically about money you cannot serve God and money, but he's also drawing our attention to honestly reflect on who or what is the king of our hearts. Is God king or is it something else? And then straight after this teaching, Jesus says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. And I reckon it flows perfectly because when we value and treasure and actually set our attention off the things of this world, uh, all, all these temporary things that, that fall to bits, our possessions, our, our health, our money, and when we value them too highly, then we, then we become concerned with, with them. And we're gonna, are we going to have enough? And are we going to be provided for? Uh, if we value them too highly, then we become overly concerned with them and they're temporary and they fall to bits and we do too <laughs> so I think often often that general sense of anxiety can often come from a fear of what is going to happen to my body what's going to happen to my family what's going to happen to my stuff what's going to happen to my reputation what will people think of me and so on. But if we're able to like set as our as our highest our highest treasure 
God and Jesus and, and the things of heaven, then, then those things sort of, they, they fade. And, I, and I, I reckon this is a journey of, that God leads us on. He saved us and he's leading us in, leading us continually on to like lay, lay, down, the, lay down the things that we hold on to and, and hold on to him. It's a, it's a process of letting go of what we're clinging on to and holding on to him. During the during the worship time, my I guess my mind was just drawn to the um, to the parable Jesus told of the of the two sons, the the prodigal son, the one that uh, left his father's house. He he wanted his inheritance, and I think his inheritance the aspects of his freedom. He wanted to take his freedom and do whatever he wanted with it. So he ends up uh, like squandering his life and eating uh, eating with the pigs. And the pigsty, and then he and then he comes home, and the father just rushes out to welcome him into his arms, welcomes him into the into the family home again. And the Lord was drawing my well, I think it was the Lord. My imagination was kind of going to the fact that the son he had to let go of the pig food in order to eat from what was in the father's house. He had to had to go that pig food didn't taste that good. I want to eat what's in the father's fridge. I want to eat the father's ice cream. He can't, it, you know, he had to let go of it in order to eat from the next part. To eat from to eat from the goodness that's in the father's house, he had to let go of what he thought he needed for his survival. Is another way to think about it. And so that's like that's our hope. It's like. As we, as we let go of things and as we, as we kind of become conscious of what are these things that we're actually setting as, as too high uh, in our hearts and in our minds, uh, to become conscious of those things in order that we can let go of those things and, and then embrace what the Lord has actually got for us in his, in his house. Like often in a church we'll talk about surrender and sacrifice and it has this has a sense of like giving of giving up stuff but then we often might forget about we're given we're giving up stuff in order to get what is better and what is better is every good and perfect gift and so becoming conscious of what we treasure is actually a really really important part of of um, the journey of a Christian of discipleship. And another way to know what you treasure is to actually to become become conscious of what what you worry about, become become conscious of the things that cause you anxiety, and and through those invite God, invite Him to speak and to reveal to you what is connected with that. What is it about that that uh, that might reveal what what your treasure is, or what you are putting too much hope in, um, or too much value in. And I'm not saying that the thing that you're worrying about, or the thing that is causing anxiety, is your treasure. But what I think is that there's something connected to what we treasure that will reveal it. And it's through that interaction, that invitation of the Holy Spirit. All of this is through the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, inviting Him constantly. Lord, would you, would you reveal to me what it is? Why am I so? Why do I feel so anxious about uh, this thing? Whether it's um, whether it's my health or whether it's my my income or my house or, or whatever it is. What what is it about that that you you can reveal to me? Because I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in peace, Lord. I want to. 
I want to learn to live those, walking in those rhythms of grace that, that you talk about, Jesus. All right? I want to eat from your fridge, from your pantry, Lord. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. When we treasure what's in heaven, trusting that God is our Father who genuinely cares and loves us, who will provide our daily bread, right? our daily bread, the things that we need for every day, who is always with us, our God who works all things together for good for those who love him, uh, our God who rules and reigns in our hearts, hearts are down here, <laughs> well, hearts are kind of everywhere in a sense, and in our minds, God who rules and reigns in our hearts and our minds, then, then anxiety and fears and worries, they lose their hold on us. And instead of worry, we're filled with peace that passes all understanding. Fill me with a peace that passes all understanding. So what we allow into our lives and what we allow into our hearts, it matters. What we look at, what we think about, what we value, what we worship, all these things actually have implications. They have effects, sometimes unintended effects for how we, how we end up experiencing life. So thinking back to the prodigal son, he... Um, the younger son, he, he was eating from the pigsty, thinking that was the fullness of life, but it turned out it was actually pig food. That was having consequences on his experience of life. What he was putting in to his life was not good. So his experience of life also was not good. In creation, God created Adam and Eve, the, these perfect human beings, the original human beings, and he, he created them. Our, our forefather and mother, to be in this, in this relationship with him, with him as, as creator, as father, and as, and as king. But Adam and Eve, they refused to come under, under the king's rulership, refused to come under his rule and his reign over them. Instead, they wanted to take rulership for themselves, to be the masters, masters of their own destiny. And so this act of rebellion leads to, leads to separation, leads to all these negative consequences that we see all throughout our world, disorder and unrest at every level of life, from, a, uh, from higher level societies, from, from individual levels into what, what, we act, what we have going on within our own lives. Because we are created to be in relationship with God, with God our Father, and for Him to be our King the king of our hearts, to have rule and reign of our hearts and our minds. For God to be the God in, in our living temple. Earlier this year, we talked quite a lot about being, being temples, and temples are places, uh, one of the functions of a temple is a place of worship to God, and where to be places, these, these physical temples that... Um, that are filled with the presence of God, that, that bring glory to God. So if we throw out the, the order that we were created, the order that we were created to be in with, with God as king of us, we throw out that order, we're left with consequences. I've been thinking about it so much this way, about, um, about systems, about us being systems. Yeah, I mean, I, I work in um, School of Biology at university, and, and our bodies, we're, we're incredibly sophisticated, complicated, but beautiful systems, well-integrated systems. Uh, our digestive system, 
food goes in. Food goes in in our mouth. Man, um, I remember this um, picture that Dan, uh, Dan Moody drew the other day of that dog, like a cross-section of the dog and the food going into his mouth. Food goes in. It breaks into small pieces in our mouths and it gets mixed up with the saliva, goes down the pipes as Elena calls it, or the gullet as other people call it, or your esophagus as other people call it, into our stomachs. And in our stomachs there's enzymes and acid and, and it breaks it down further, then it passes into the intestines where they, um, they function to allow absorption of food and water and all the nutrients and minerals that we need. And then from there, uh, those, those nutrients and elements are transported uh, you know, through, with, through the blood system um, to all of the cells that make up our whole body. Uh, I think it's crazy that like, the, the cells in my fingertips are drawing nutrients from what goes into my mouth. And everybody knows, everybody knows that for good health, it's best to eat healthy food. We are what we eat, right? Eating food has consequences. Eating food has positive consequences. I've got my flask of coffee down here because I didn't get enough sleep last night. So I want that to wake me up. That's a positive consequence. (laughs) Coffee is only good. (laughs) but eating food has negative consequences sometimes coffee has negative consequences too right and some are some are obvious and others are less obvious Uh, a few weeks ago i was talking to um to a fellow and and he was walking around with a limp he had no shoes on and it was because he was suffering uh an episode of gout um and it was connected to um Gout, if you don't know about it, is the form of, uh, uric acid forms crystals in, and often in your feet or in your extremities. These crystals form like little needles. Incredibly painful. So he wasn't wearing shoes because to wear shoes and socks is so painful for him. And for him it was connected to uh, really two things. He had, a, he had a genetic predisposition to it. It was in the family. But also he enjoyed pork. And, and pork is connected. The, uh, what is in pork is connected. Um, it led to this you know, increase of uric acid and these uric acid crystals in his feet. We're systems, is my point. So we, it, what goes into our system uh, has, has effects. Sometimes those are obvious. Sometimes they're not obvious. The inputs into our systems have consequences in terms of what we eat, but also other kinds of inputs. This is really important. This is really important. What we look at, that's inputs. The movies we watch, that's inputs. The books we read, inputs. Computer games we play, inputs. Music we listen to, inputs. Podcasts, right? These are all inputs into the system of our life. What we think about, what we allow our minds to, to, to stew over and ruminate over, what we think about, what we, what we dream about, what we daydream about. These are all inputs. What we imagine, uh, what we fantasize, what we, even what we speak. Speaking is kind of a weird one because it's coming out of our mouths, but it's also an input because what we speak, we hear. If we're speaking out lies, we're actually hearing lies, right? What we speak, these are inputs. 
What we treasure, what we value, what we prioritize, again, these, these are inputs. These are inputs that come into our lives. And if we're systems, then these inputs, they come in and they have consequences. They have effects. Some of them are positive. So if we feed our lives on things, um, what we feed our lives on, they might result in positive consequences. They might result in negative consequences. We want to feed our lives on things that are going to result in positive consequences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We want to feed our lives on things that are going to have positive consequences. We want to feed our lives with what's going to make us feel good. <laughs> we want to feel, and, and that's another word for being blessed. We want to feed our lives with what's going to feel good. We want to feel peaceful. Like, just yell out if you don't want to feel peaceful. And we'll pray, we'll pray for you for deliverance. You want to feel peaceful. Amen. You want to feel joyful. Amen. You want to feel hopeful. Amen. You want to feel content. Amen. You want to feel fulfilled. Amen. Right? You want purpose. Amen. So we've got to, and these things are all connected with what we're putting in. These are, these are sort of the outputs. So what are we, what are we putting in? In uh, Philippians 4, I've been just drawn to this passage over and over again recently. Philippians 4, the, the Apostle Paul, and he's languishing in prison. He's suffering, right? He's suffering. And Philippians 4, he says, as he's suffering, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. In other words, don't think about what is untrue. Don't think about what is unhonorable. Don't think about what is uh, unjust. Don't think about what's impure. Don't think about what's ugly. Don't think about what's the opposite of commendable. <laughs> But think about, think, about, think about the good stuff. And the best example of all these things is Jesus. But then there's so many, there's so many other things that we can look at in life which, which are good and which are true. There's so many movies which are good and are true and do honor God. There's so many movies which aren't good and aren't true and do not honor God. Think about what is true. Think about what is honorable. Uh, recently, I read that I read that Psalm Psalm 109, and it said, "Whatever uh, I will not let anything, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless." And I and I was I was praying about it one morning, and uh, it was a Friday morning, and I and I felt I felt like the Lord just prompt me and go, "Okay, I don't want you to look at the news or social media today." And okay, I'm not saying that the news and social media is worthless or maybe I am <laughs> anyway um, but anyway I felt that's what the Lord's saying I was going okay well I'll, I'll give it a go so I went didn't look at the news didn't look at um, Facebook or uh, Instagram um, I hardly ever look at Twitter anyway it's, it disturbs me too much but I didn't look at any of it and uh, and then the next day and that, that was that was a challenge actually to be honest like I, you become conscious of how many I became conscious of how many times I would just without thinking reach for my phone and, and see what's going on in my feed or um, scroll through the news anyway it went pretty well next day same thing I thought oh I think maybe I should do this again 
And it was just incredible how, how quickly I began to feel like this, this residual uh, unease or um, anxiety just sort of like, just like lift, lift off me. I began to realize that uh, news happens whether I look at it or not. I actually don't have um, much, um, as, it might surprise you, but yeah, I don't really have that much effect on the US elections. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So I don't have to know. And so it went for a week, and I felt good, and then, and then the New Zealand election happened. I thought, well, maybe I should check, and I just didn't, I didn't even feel like it. <laughs> it was so funny. But it's become a, it's become a great, yeah, it's become, really, it's become really powerful for me. And it's a simple thing. It's like, okay, Lord, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to see what um, people were saying. So my one day, my one day of not looking at it has actually extended out, and I've I've began to like actually change change my patterns, and it, and it's really thinking about what am I allowing into my into the, my system of my life, and what kind of consequences do I do I want, and becoming conscious of that. What what do I value? What do I treasure? What do I think is important? And uh, and inviting into the Lord into that. And so, I mean, I'm I'm about to finish, and. Um, I just wanted to make some, some suggestions to you. This, what I've been talking about this morning, is really uh, the way of discipleship, uh, and it's the way of freedom, and it's the way of hope, but it's totally in, in partnership with the Lord, and allowing the Lord to reveal to, to you and to me what are the things that are, that are uh, like too high, that we're valuing too high in our lives now, because we want to come under His rule and His reign in, in all ways. So I have a suggestion this week. Um, you might want to have one day where you don't uh, engage with social media and you don't engage with the news and just see how that goes for you. Just see how it goes. Have one day and see how that goes. And then the, the next suggestion is, is, is to pray, to, to pray, your kingdom come. And, and before you think of anybody else, before you think about your workplace or Wellington or the Aotearoa or the nations, go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in my mind and in my heart, as it is in heaven. And actually invite God's rule and his reign over even your thoughts. Really what this boils down to is coming into submission to King, to the King of Kings. And we sung it over and over again this morning. Like, you are the King. Um, you're the King. You're worthy of it all. Uh, you've given us your kingdom. I lay it all down before you, right? We're laying, this is the part that we hold on to, um, to the most, is uh, actually what we think about in here. But laying it all down, Lord, we want to come under your rule and reign because, well, to be full of peace and purpose and hope and joy and life. Dang, that sounds good, right? So pray, you can pray that for yourself. And allow the Lord to kind of like reveal what, what, things, are you, what things are you feeding into your system? What are the inputs into your life? And maybe he'll also reveal what are the consequences of those things. All right. So why don't you stand, and uh, we'll pray. This is a this is a journey, right? This is like I love it. This is just a journey of an increasing freedom. Holy Spirit, 
You're, you're the one, actually, that makes all of this possible. You're the one that, uh, that, makes, that, that, that gives us faith in God, that, uh, that invites us into, that, that makes the way possible to come into the presence of God. Holy Spirit, you're, you're the one who will lead our hearts. And oh, I've been praying it so much, Lord, that you would, you would fill my mind. Holy Spirit, fill my mind. Actually, you might want to do this. Um, put your hand on your head um, and, and invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill your mind. Invite your Holy Spirit to come and fill my mind. Would you guide my thoughts? Would you fill my senses? Would you fill my mind with what is good, what is true, what is honorable, what is commendable, what is excellent? Would you reveal to me things that I allow into my life which do not honor you, Lord, so that I can journey with you and and cast those down? And be filled with more of your life and more of your freedom. I lay it all down again, Lord. The parts that I know, the parts that I don't. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And let your peace that passes all understanding fill us all the way from the top of our heads to the tip of our toes, Lord. So that we might be people of peace, people of your presence in every every sphere of life where we where we are, Lord, that we might uh, just be your sons and daughters, to know what it's like to uh, enjoy the food from your pantry and your fridge, Father. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen.